baby, why? Who you love? Burning lights up in his mind. See you at the finish line. Give me that green light, I'm on go. Wait, hello. Hey, I'm nice. I don't care. What you think when you ain't about me? Hello, hello, beautiful people. It is your girl, Roxanne Mensa, and I am here to talk about Africa and the Middle Ages. If you don't know already, I'm a student at St. George's High School, and I'm also an upcoming freshman at DSU. So right now we're going to get into what it was like to be in Africa in the Middle Ages, and we're going to take it back all the way to about 500 CE, and that is when it all started. So out of all the many topics that my teacher allowed me to choose from, I eventually ended up with picking Africa because my dad is actually from Africa. So yes, I am part African, if you didn't know, and which is why it's so interesting to me and I'm so excited to share the information I gathered with you guys. <laughs> Now, if we take it back to the ancient times, before the medieval period became a thing in Africa, there wasn't much documentation left behind because stories were passed down orally. They weren't really big into writing books or, you know, having symbols or anything. They just liked to tell stories through their mouth. However, despite that, there's so much that we do know that shows how much African culture had changed when the medieval era came to be. In the beginning, Africa was such a mystery to the Middle Age society. Many people only knew about what went on somewhat in this lovely continent because the Arabs that lived south of the Sahara would tell stories about it. As I said, a lot of the history was spread out through the word of mouth. As Africa transitioned into this new era, their civilizations were flourishing. Okay, like they were doing their thing. Um, this is the place of riches. Like, if we get into it, we can't forget about the amounts, amount, immense amount of riches that are within these areas. Like, the gold, the ivory, the cocoa. Like, the list just keeps going on. The most prominent people during this time was Wagadu, Sandaira Kita, and Mansa Musa. So starting with Wagadu, although there isn't too much information on the political history of ancient Af Africa, um, he was the king of Ghana, and he was the person that allowed for the economy to excel, and he made Ghana grow in wealth. Um, he made a lot of impact just by, you know, being able to put Africa on the map when it came to its riches and, you know, being able to trade with other countries and things like that. So now we're going to get into Sundaida Kita. So Sundaida Kita was the Mansa, which is another term for basically king or emperor. It just means ruler, honestly. But he was the uh, ruler of early Mali. So early Mali just represents like, you know, the start of it, like when it first uh, began to flourish. Um, he is responsible for Mali's rise. So he is what you know, started the the evolution, the the development of this country, and yeah, that's what he's notable for. And last but not least, we have Mansa Musa. So Mansa, that's how you know he's from Mali as well. Um, he was, you know, one of the greatest leaders of Mali, and he's also the most known. 
Uh, throughout this podcast, you'll learn what he has done and the impact he has caused and put upon Africa. Sitting here waiting for you Would be like waiting for winter now, as I have stated multiple times before, due to the lack of written documentation, when we go all the way back to the very start of the medieval age, so when Ghana was, you know, the one that was in power in Africa, um, you know, there's not too much, there's not too much known information on the specifics of what happened. Once again, a lot of the stories and things that they learned, you know, teachings and lessons, they were spread through word of mouth. They weren't written down. So it's kind of hard to, you know, know what exactly happened. But, you know, we get an idea of what happened because the impact and the influence that these rulers of these different uh, countries that were in Africa, the impact that they had in this era was just so important. So it all began in the kingdom of Wagadu, which is also known as ancient Ghana. Ghana was known to be the major, well, one of the major trading centers. They traded riches and delicacies such as ivory, salt. Salt was actually very important back then to them. That's what they used to season their food well, um, along with like other spices. But um, they also had, most importantly, gold. I mean, gold is high in value. A lot of countries use this gold in order to trade with others and to purchase off of others. So gold was very necessary and needed for these other countries. Um, <clears throat> they also traded with North Africa mainly and Europe. Uh, not only did they participate in the actual trade of goods, but they also tax traders that pass through Ghana. So um, as you can see, like when you look into the continent of Africa, there are a lot of like water passageways. Um, and especially in Ghana, like some people had to go through Ghana in order to travel to another country. Um, and because of that, that's when Ghana started tra taxing. They're like, we might as well profit off of this, which is actually very smart. Um, and the taxes were actually a huge cause to making Ghana more wealthy than it already was. And to add to that, no country at the time was to dare try them because they had iron weapons and enormous armies. The armies were so enormous that the leader could call right away for 200,000 men and they will pop up up front as soon as possible. Now over time, Ghana eventually decreased in power. There was multiple causes of this. The first thing was that people were discovering new gold mines, which then forced Ghana to tax less. So Ghana wasn't the only one with the gold mines. They weren't the only lucky ones that were able to give out the gold and tax whatever they wanted because, you know, they're not the only suppliers anymore. Um, and because they're taxing less, I mean, they're getting less money. Like the value of the country is just decreasing or the value of the economy, I should say, was just decreasing. And also on top of that, uh, there was heavy farming so when you, you know, when you do heavy farming, you, you mess up the soil. And with that, there was less food and, you know, less people were able to be fed. It was just really destroying the soil. And, you know, that affected the economy greatly as well. And lastly, they were frequently fighting. For some reason, you know, I think it wasn't necessarily military based, but the rulers did have a, a good military and a good fighting system. Um, so maybe that's why they were so active, uh, but that did, you know, it did contribute to its downfall, Ghana's downfall. So as Ghana became weaker and weaker, that's when Mali came into the picture.
Okay, so now we're jumping right into the 1200s. So in the 1200s, the ruler of Mali that came to take over Ghana was the man Sundaida Kita himself. So um, once he seized the capital of Ghana, he then ventured out to other lands to see if he could do the same to them, you know, try to take on a challenge, try to see how much power and how much money he can gain. So um, in, in this case, he actually did succeed in doing so. Um, he actually conquered a couple of lands and cities that followed the trade trail, um, and it led to the largest trading city. Um, and that's where, you know, he settled. So he's getting money from all of these traders and uh, he's in control. He's in control of the mines, the gold mines there, as well as the trade of salt. So in this case, he's restoring back the economy in this area that was once ancient Ghana. And, you know, he's just making it progress again. He's making the economy flow and grow um, as it was doing before. So now when we take a look at Sundaida, we see how much of an impact he had on the African empire. Um, besides being the first leader of Mali, he was also the first one to um, to promote the charter or to create the charters of uh, human rights, which is basically like, you know, it stands for like the abolishment of slavery. It stands for, you know, just like human rights, like anything that we'll have nowadays, it just, it's it's what stemmed um, to like how we are now, like, you know, having that human rights basis and like basically saying that all oh, people don't need to be treated poorly because they're not of your hierarchy. Um, that's, you know, what he was trying to promote and that's what he did accomplish. And that's something that set pathway for, you know, how things are right now with the human rights. So after years of great leadership, um, he eventually passed away, sadly, but in his position to replace him, uh, we had Mansa Musa, and we're going to talk about him and how important he was during this time, because he was, in fact, very, very important. Okay, so Mansa Musa is known as one of, if not the most famous ruler of Mali, and, you know, it's still like that till this day. That's how, that's how much impact he had. So when he came into power, Mali was just unstoppable. The empire was growing. It was thriving. The way that this country's wealth skyrocketed, all thanks to this man, is just insane. It's mind-blowing. Like, and on, to on top of all of this, he became the first Muslim ruler in West Africa. Like, not only was he beating records, he was setting them. You know what I mean? Like, he was setting new new things. It's crazy. Um, and not only that, like, you know, he was very strong in his faith, you know, considering the fact that he was the first Muslim ruler. Uh, he even had to go, like, he even went on an expedition to Mecca to learn more about the Islamic religion. And he boosted the education to have, like, within his empire. He wanted those people to, you know, take on after him um, when it came to the Islamic religion, because that's how much faith he had in it. And, like, the people he was around were like Arab, those that spoke Arabic and those that were, you know, deep in the faith too. Um, and now, like, let's go back to the wealth. Now let's talk about the money. So I cannot stress the money portion enough. Like Musa literally, literally made Mali just become so rich and so strong. Um, like he made Mali the major trade hub, you know, every time someone was trading, it had to go through them. 
most of the time. Like that's where most of the things went. And because they expanded so much, like literally all the way to the Atlantic coast, they were in control of so much and gained so much money from so many other countries. Like his empire was getting so big that he had to divide it into provinces that were each ruled by its own appointed governor because he just couldn't, you know, control it all at once by himself. He needed to literally divide it. And then can we talk about how much gold he spent while shopping? Like just, just to shop. Um, and not even that, like he gave away 50,000 gold dinars to the Sultan of Egypt just as a first meeting gift. Like that just shows you how, how much money just came flowing to him. Like he didn't care about it at all. He was so quick to give it out. Um, he was very generous, you know, he wasn't, he was very humble and he just like, he just kept allowing the economy to just be boosted. And, you know, if this all doesn't scream, Mansa Musa did what had to be done for Mali, you must be deaf because I'm telling you, he did his thing. And once his ruling, sadly, once it was over, that is when the Mali empire became weak um, because I feel like he was really like the backbone during this era, but you know, Everyone has their time, and his time sadly came, and that's when Mali, you know, slowly became began to disappear. Like I've said many times before, uh, the way that they communicated in ancient Africa when it came to telling stories, um, teaching lessons to, you know, the younger ones, things like that. It was all communicated through word of mouth. But these things weren't being taught in school books. Uh, they weren't things that were written down, uh, that they had copies of. There wasn't anything that was drawn on walls. There were no symbols. It was all oral tradition. And this is was all based in West Africa. <laughs> and, you know, the way that the forms that they did it in was either proverbs, which, you know, they convey, you know, wisdom and truth. Uh, and they're, they're the ones that teach the life lessons. They're the ones that, you know, get you set. Um, or you had epic narrations. And those talk about things that, you know, they talk about mainly about heroes, but it's all like realistic things. Um, and their heroes are people that were very impactful um, in the past time, um, you have genealogies, and they're basically like <clears throat> detailed history, histories, and they just like, you know, they were, they were often sung. They weren't really just talked about. Um, a lot of these oral traditions came in songs as well. Um, it paid, it played an important role, like songs were something that, you know, allow, allowed you to enjoy, enjoy life. Sorry for my voice. Oh my gosh. Enjoy life and just, just engage, you know, with the people and with your environment, with who you're around. And yeah, like, and you also had people called griots. Um, and those were the teachers and the advisors, uh, those that told the stories, those that sang. And yeah, it was just a very important time and um, a very important piece in West African history and how they communicated. Now, here we are um, 
we finally made it. If you were able to listen all the way to the end, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Um, now we're going to be talking about, you know, the fall of Africa in the Middle Ages, you know, the fall of the empires, why they ended, um, and it all ended with um, Mali. So, you know, as I've stated before, at, um, when Musa, Mansa Musa passed, that's when the Mali, Mali's empire automatically, you know, plummeted. It already automatically was doing bad. You know, the the new leaders just weren't able to lead the way he had or the previous leaders had. Um, they just kind of failed in that area. Uh, like once he passed away, you know, there were more trading sites popping up in other empires and other countries. And Mali just wasn't able to keep up anymore. They kind of like the government kind of neglected that aspect, which was so important and so vital to its economy and its people and its growth. So, you know, once they stopped, you know, really engaging or knowing what they were doing, that's when everything just went downhill even more. And it led for them to, you know, be vulnerable and a target. And, you know, right after that, that's when countries from all around, um, you know, were taking over Mali and left it with only a little bit of land like Mali just minimized so much because they were just being taken over because you know the leadership just wasn't there anymore it was very it was very weak and yeah that's that's literally what happened you know Mali was the last um country that was that stayed standing like during ancient Africa during that time period and, you know, although they did really good, you know, sometimes things just come to an end. And sadly, Mali came to an end. Considering that Africa is the first place of civilization, I feel like everything is influenced by Africa. If I'm being totally honest, I feel like everything, if not, you know, almost, if not everything, came from Africa. Um, but some of the things, you know, that I've talked about, in this podcast that still show up today in today's world um it's literally like the the modern high school level concepts in math that we do now um it came from africa like including the first method of counting that literally came from africa um another example like i said a lot of things were taught through word of mouth so folklore um and telling stories you know like the uh the hare and the turtle the, or the tortoise, the stories like that, that all came from Africa as well. Uh, and these stories we learn and we, we read and hear about in elementary school especially. So, you know, they're not new to us. And you know, a lot of these things originated in Africa, um, West Africa to be specific. And yeah, it's just almost everything I feel like comes from Africa. So I feel like the list could keep going on, but these are two that I find relatable to um, me because I'm in high school and uh, also to the podcast because I've always talked about, you know, how they've always used uh, oral tradition to spread word or to just bring joy and bring lessons and things like that. Like I said, we are the blueprint, okay? Um, You know, this is a fun project to do. It was a fun project to research, to talk about to learn about, um, especially considering that I am half uh, 
African, specifically half Ghanaian, and that's one of the countries and empires that I was able to cover. So it's, you know, it's nice to know where I, I come from down the line. But yes, um, I enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. Uh, you guys have a great day, great night, wherever you are. Um, and yeah, stay blessed. You told me it wasn't over We together so But was this before or after? You told me to leave your home I used to think we'd make it far It turned out that we are Such a shame We weren't the same at all